Microphone check. One, two, what is this? It's the five foot seven assassin in the podcast business. And we're back with another episode of QLC TV. My name is Rohan and I'm the host of this lovely show where I aim to give you authentic insight into the world of music, which will be a primary focus as it's my absolute utmost passion in the world. I just love music. I'll also be talking about politics as the other key focus, as well as some culture sports sprinkled in, as well as topics about growing into adulthood and personal development. As all of this is delivered from the perspective of a 25-year-old Indian man living in Canada, trying to make sense of not only myself, but of the world. So all in all, I thank you so much for listening and taking part in this creative journey that I'm embarking on with QLC TV. And I just hope that this platform will not only give myself, but give those listening something nice to look forward to when they wake up in the morning. Because if I achieved that, then I've succeeded. Hey everyone, it is October 24th, 2020. I'm back with another episode of QLC TV, episode 16. And we have an all music show for you guys today. I'll be talking about Benny's debut studio album, Burden of Proof. And then I'll be talking about the long lost album that has seemingly emerged from the dust, and that is none other than Jay Electronica's long-awaited album, Act Two, The Patents of Nobility, The Turn. So I'm really excited to talk about this album and this Benny album, so let's get started, starting with this Benny album, Burden of Proof. So this new project from him is truly his moment in the spotlight. And as he raps on this very album, last year was about Brandon, this year's about expanding. And that sums up his ascension to stardom pretty perfectly. Last year, and, and basically ever since his release of the underground gem, Tana Talk 3, in 2018, Benny has been on a tear, very quickly ascending as the most star-ready artist in the Griselda camp, which features West Side Gun, who I've talked about many times on this show, and Conway the Machine, who just recently dropped his studio debut album. And the reason I think this, it's something about the way this dude Benny raps and just the energy he brings. Surprisingly enough, this guy's actually not very young. I think he's in his late 30s at about 36 years old. He still, he kind of gives this like young man's energy. And coupled with that energy, I always found that his his impact that he has in his verses is the most immediate out of all of the acts. Like Conway, he definitely has some mainstream accessibility, but he still keeps himself in the niche of being that that street kind of king. And then Westside Gun kind of ha- approaches music from this like high art curator perspective. But Benny seems to come off the most relatable. And I feel like he, out of all of the artists, is the artist that I think people can connect with the most because he comes off the most regular, if that makes sense. There's no gaudy story about how he got shot in the jaw, like with Conway. He doesn't really present himself as a larger-than-life Don, like Conway as well. He doesn't present himself like a very exquisite high-art into the finer things kind of guy 
he presents himself like a regular dude who was on the street hustling and now has ascended to a point where he's a star, he's rubbing shoulders with the likes of Jay-Z, and he can rap his motherfucking ass off. That's pretty much what I get from him. And that ascension is really the theme and the overall kind of message, I guess you could say, of this album, which is Benny the Butcher has arrived. So on Burden of Proof, Benny's not alone, though. He has executive production credits, and the vast majority of the production is handled by none other than Hit Boy, who's just been on an absolute tear. He's now produced the full Nas album, King's Disease. He produced pretty much 80% of the Big Sean album, Detroit 2. And he's been kind of throwing some beats around with Conway's last record and even Jay Electronica's uh, last record. And this 2020 for Hitboy is really giving me Kanye's 2018 Wyoming session vibes. Because it really feels like anybody who was in the studio with Hitboy in 2020 is just appearing on all of these projects. On Nas's album, Big Sean was a feature. On Big Sean's album, Dom Kennedy was a feature. Dom Kennedy is a person I just forgot to mention earlier, has a full produced project from Hitboy as well in 2020, just earlier this year. And Dom Kennedy's featured on this album, which was a very strange pairing to have Benny the Butcher uh, do a collaboration with Dom Kennedy. But it really reminds me of how Kanye, on those Wyoming albums in 2018 that had Daytona by Pusha T, Kid C Ghost, the collaboration with Kid Cudi and Kanye, Tiana Taylor, uh, KTSC, and Nas's Nazir. Ty Dolla Sign was on almost all of those projects. And oh yeah, obviously Kanye's solo album as well. And it seems like Dom Kennedy is just popping up on in places that don't make any sense, or at least don't make any sense on the face of it. And it just shows me that Hitboy has been able to accumulate this cachet that I don't even understand where it came from, but it's clearly present because he's been given free reign to really craft the sound for these very big name artists with as much liberty and as much flexibility as he'd like. And I think for the most part, he's done a great job. Hitboy has really shown that he's a jack of all trades. He seems to have the ability to put gritty rappers on brighter production that really allows the rapper to be a bit more dynamic than their usual selves, show a different side to them, and just exhibit new styles. Like this production has allowed for Benny to show off a much smoother side to his flows versus his typical aggressive, visceral style rapping that he has exhibited throughout his career to date. So keeping with the production, the production here I think is significantly better than King's Disease. And a significant reason for that is that these beats on Burden of Proof are just not as safe as the beats were on King's Disease, which was one of my critiques of that album's production. And I hate to bring it there, but I don't really think that's Hitboy as much as it is Nas's kind of influence on King's Disease, as he has very much traditionally been known as a rapper that likes to rap over beats that are more rudimentary, more bare bones that allow his raps to be the, the main attraction. 
So I think that might be more of a symptom of Nas choosing the safer beats that Hit Boy presented to him when they created King's Disease. But back to this project, I think that is one of the most obvious things when you listen to Burden of Proof that really sets Burden of Proof apart from all of Benny's other projects. The sound here features a ton of soul sampling, but not in the way that Griselda has traditionally treated their soul samples, where they're a little bit more off-kilter, they're mixed in a way that's more uh, chaotic and intrusive, uh, and really competes with the rapper's voice sometimes. Like when you think of some of the uh, beats that Westside Gun raps over, the vocal samples, for example, are, are all over the place. Whereas the sampling here is just more traditional. Um, also with the percussion, unlike Griselda projects, again, that tend to use very dusty, gritty kind of drums, these drums are so crisp, they feel live. And this combination of this very crisp drumming and these extensive soul samples that are very non-intrusive and more traditional sounding really give me early 2000s Rockefeller Records vibes. Rockefeller Records being Jay-Z's label that was very big in the 2000s that he founded that had Kanye West on it, Cameron, um, it had Beanie Siegel, Freeway, a lot of rappers that were in the Midwest or East Coast that really were popular in that kind of 2000 to 2005 kind of time frame who often featured producing work from the likes of Just Blaze, Bink, and Kanye West, whose production style during that early 2000s time frame would have fit so snugly on this project. Like take Jay-Z's 2001 Blueprint album, and then compare some of those tracks to some of the tracks here on Burden of Proof. Take the intro, Burden of Proof, where... The guitar sample sounds so much like the guitar sample that Kanye used on the TakeOver track where Jay-Z famously disses a ton of rappers. And then just take the, the drumming that shows up on the intro, but then throughout this whole project, compare it to tracks like You Don't Know, those relentless drums, very triumphant samples in the background, the lushness of some of the sound effects, and overall way these samples are presented with tracks like Song Cry off the blueprint. The similarities are uncanny. And I think the choice to go down this route works really well for Benny because his slick boss rhymes come through clear, pristine, and clean, just like his status in the game right now is. It's a really perfect pairing. But that Rockefeller Jay-Z connection doesn't just end there. Because the album's lyrical content and lyrical approach to presenting Benny the Butcher as a rapper and as a man who has overcome his surroundings to become this successful man is very reminiscent of early 2000s Hove, where Hove wasn't the billionaire we know him to be now and still wasn't so far removed from the street life where he would rap these street narratives that would dovetail with a lot of the wise and honest knowledge that he accumulated uh, through his time hustling, through his time struggling with poverty, mixed in with a very strong element of triumphant braggadocio that was always rooted in a certain level of realness that made it his 
aura really come through and resonate with the listener because Jay-Z and very much Benny the Butcher as well come off like people that did some dirt but they did it with honor and they did it with respect for their people and that just comes through loud and clear throughout this project burden of proof and displays that sentiment of Benny being a very honorable smart man that I don't think he communicated and put on wax as good as he did on this debut album on the track famous it shows that he's still grounded in a reality that celebrates his success but hasn't changed him to the point where he's a different person because of it new streets shows incredible sobering insight into his past that is filled with abandonment distress where at the time he didn't learn what he knew now which is as he said in the track uh, you learn more from your losses which in turn become your advantages and I think that's just a, a really beautiful sentiment and a really positive spin on otherwise very difficult life circumstances that Benny and many others in his place had to deal with and and I think that's also what I just said is something that he he communicates which I don't think is something that many rappers do and it's on this new streets track as well where Benny is very clearly hurt and offended whatever words you want to put to it for the fact that a lot of rappers that make it big they act like the street life is just this glorious place where you just make a lot of money you get a lot of cars and jewelry and you just overcome all of your surroundings and you get out of poverty and he says it in the song where he says for every one of me who makes it there's a hundred others still in the streets struggling to get by in these impoverished neighborhoods and him showing that light showing that reality that really stark and dark reality i think is really powerful and man this beat too on this track is such a cut of beautiful buttery sampling this vocal sample is mixed so nicely it it really just elevates everything that benny says because man he's really shown on this album how mature he is as a man this maturity is also found on the track thank god i made it uh where he's he's rapping a lot of pro women sentiments uh thanking his mom and all the women all the single mothers in particular that are out there doing the lord's work making sure that their kids grow up and learn the right values and man he he drops some other really cold lines here where he says talking about how fathers that leave their kids behind and let their mothers have to deal with it how terrible they are but then he wraps this really cold line where he says something along the lines of uh you you impregnate a woman you leave them that same single mother struggles as it's very justifiable too to to raise this person right and give them the right opportunities this kid becomes a gangster and then you blame it on the white man when really you were the one who created the gangster in the first place i thought that was just a really powerful way to criticize those deadbeat fathers like that i thought it was really special and on the tracks and in the times when he is bragging like i mentioned with early 2000s hove it, it it comes off so honest and relatable 
when he talks about all these money problems he no longer has, all this uh, wealth that he's accumulated, you almost feel like proud of him because it just comes off so honest. You know exactly where he came from. And I just find myself rooting for him. Uh, whereas other rappers, it might just come off annoying as in like, okay, we get it. You have a lot of money. Move on, please. You know, like Benny, it comes off like you're actually proud of him. And man, the way that he drops a lot of this knowledge, drops this introspection, the lyricism isn't sacrifice. And I really appreciate that. This isn't Benny getting all mature and sentimental and then suddenly losing his pen. His pen is still top-notch here. There are so many quotables. And honestly, on my first listen, I was more taken aback by the the production changes and the, the introspection that he was giving. And at, at first listen, I was like, man, I'm not really getting as much from him from a rapper's perspective, from a lyricism perspective. But oh my god, I was... I. After the second listen, that completely changed. He has this line on One Way Flight with Freddie Gibbs. Amazing track. Amazing track. Love it so much. Love the beat, which I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, was also co-produced by Jansport J, who shows up a couple times on these very soulful tracks, and he absolutely kills it. Like, I'm really excited to see future Jansport J production for sure. And yeah, on this track, Freddie Gibbs, man, just does Freddie Gibbs things, which is just mixing so much humor and personality and swagger to his rhymes. Love the hook. Um, but Benny has this amazing line where he asks, like, what's more important, the flower or the soil that grow it? And wow, that, that just there's so much that goes into a metaphor like that. He, but then he also just has hilarious lines where he's like, I got this bra that I only see after 1 a.m. Just small, little, subtle lines like that that are littered throughout this project. And, man, his flows are on point as usual. But I think he mixes in a bit more smoothness to some of these rhymes, especially when he's getting more introspection. I think comes off really well. And the features, as I mentioned, Freddie kills it. Rick Ross sounds right at home on that really luxurious ethereal kind of beat on uh where do we go i thought lil wayne came through with a very nice verse and big sean too i actually think big sean had the best verse on the song because he, he spits a lot about his his label issues with getting his masters as i mentioned in a previous episode uh from his good music label ran by kanye west and man he has a lot of clever punchlines here and there i thought he did really well and the only track I didn't really care for that much, but it even then, as I say this now, it's growing on me every day, is Over the Limit with Dom Kennedy. Just because the beat just seemed a bit strangely put, it didn't really fit the rest of the album, but as I listened to it more, Benny's performance is still very top-notch, and Dom's kind of hook, I didn't like it at all at first, but it's growing on me as well. Man, overall, this project is incredibly special. I think out of all of the Griselda albums, this one is right at the top, right up there with Supreme Blindtel, Fly God. Uh, and I think this is Benny's best album. I think that is very clear to me. Tana Talk 3 is still a lot of people's favorites, but I think the production quality is incredible. I think... 
I'm just a sucker for this kind of style of music. I always loved Blueprint by Jay-Z. I love that Rockefeller soul, soulful sound with the triumphant, luxurious vibes that it gives off too. And Benny's maturity, once again, and the perspective he brings is so welcomed. It's so welcome to see a rapper in this lane keep it real like this. On Burden of Proof, it's clear that Benny, unlike his other albums in the past, was able to really communicate a message that was greater than the sum of its parts, which is that Benny's arrived, and this is who Benny is, and this is who Benny stands for. That's truly what sets this apart. And for all these reasons, I think Burden of Proof by Benny the Butcher is certainly album of the year contender, and I give it a strong 8.5 out of 10. If you are a fan of Griselda, this is a no-brainer. If you are a fan of more traditional kind of early 2000s rap that you would have heard from uh, Beanie Siegel, Jay-Z, Cameron, especially when it comes to the production style, this is definitely an album you want to check out as well. And if you're interested in hearing some grown man rap, but definitely still delivered in a very fun, catchy sort of package, definitely check this out. It's only 38 minutes, a very tight listen, and I just can't recommend Burden of Proof by Benny the Butcher enough. Great, great album. Okay, now I am going to transition to this new J Electronica leaked album. So right off the bat, we need to cover how this album even appeared onto title and appeared on the internet in the first place. So J Electronica, as many know now, was the top shit in the just the beginning of the 2010s. He had dropped Exhibit C, which is still one of the best rap songs ever made, in my opinion. And he had delivered a very esoteric... Uh, mixtape of just about 19 minutes over all of these beats from Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, the movie. And you could see what separated J Electronica from almost any other rapper that ever existed. His next level high art kind of framework that he made all of his music from, the really different lyrical styles that invoked a lot of spiritual and religious imagery he was special since day one and after that eternal sunshine of the spotless mind mixtape and exhibit c people were absolutely thirsting for act two which was supposed to be his debut studio album he got signed to jay-z the momentum kept building and building some trackless leaked that featured a lot of promising features, uh, most notably P. Diddy, or Diddy now, I don't know what you call him. Uh, Kanye had a couple, Jay-Z, and it was all supposed to be mainly produced by Just Blaze, who I just mentioned in the previous segment, who had developed a strong chemistry with Jay Electronica since day one. He produced Exhibit C, and he produced some of the Lucy singles that had been... Uh, flowing through the internet and the blogs during that early 2010 time. So right about 2012 was the last time that we saw a track list for this Act 2 project. We heard it was coming soon. And then over time, nothing happened. 
you start you stopped hearing any word about the project still in the works and then from 2012 until 2020 save for a couple lucy singles dropped here and there we heard nothing from jay and many of us including myself thought this project's just shelved it'll never come out but lo and behold randomly even after jay electronica finally did drop his debut album although it's not act two it was nowhere close to the tracklist that we originally saw leaked and surfaced in 2012 with jay-z a written testimony even after he already dropped a project we get act two but how did we get it supposedly the story is that the album was sold by a hacker for nine thousand dollars on like a group downloading server thing i don't hack so i don't know exactly how that works uh but some people got a hold of the act two album and they obviously distributed it to the public and this is a hack and a leak that is validated by the fact that jay electronica was very open about how he felt about the reaction he said he said that he was very touched and moved by the positive reaction he got from people listening to this leaked album and decided within two days to get it released on title which means that all of these extensive weird movie samples that are featured throughout this project were cleared that's the part of this that just doesn't really add up to me i know he has jay-z in his corner but how did he get all of these samples just off right off the bat just completely cleared in the matter of days but that being said i, I think knowing how jay electronic is such a perfectionist i couldn't imagine he would release his album in this state like this i think it truly was shelved he didn't plan on releasing it and then some hackers got a hold of it and then now we have it in our in our phones in our computers etc so what did i think about act two it's kind of hard to grade this and i'll say in advance i'm not going to give a rating to this project because it just seems wrong jay literally didn't finish this album and it's evident on a couple of these tracks it sounds very unfinished very rough but right off the bat i felt really happy that jay didn't stray away from what made him really special since day one and that was as i mentioned that esoteric otherworldly kind of approach to music that was really unparalleled in rap because unlike written testimony which i still contend is a very very dope project it didn't really capture that true spiritual and alien-like presence and approach to some of the narratives and metaphors and pictures that Jay would paint in his rhymes. He just came off like a sort of abstract, very religious, very talented rapper who had a bunch of songs with Jay-Z. And it came together, I think, pretty well but it didn't capture the magic that a lot of jay electronica fans were hoping to hear when we previously initially anticipated act two and act two captures that and right off the first track my goodness th th this track is unbelievable it starts with a really warped ronald reagan sample 
uh, which is again very in line with what he would do when he first came out and he basically recounts this idea of losing touch with the real beauty in life and he has this particular couplet that I want to zero in on that it honestly took my breath away on this track he raps this is a genuine miracle I woke up today so I got up to pray but my BBM was pinging when my Android started singing then I missed all of the glory for technological luxuries and just like that I forgot all of the trees and the flowers and the breeze carrying seeds across the seas extra honey in my tea but pay no homage to the bee what happened to us I that is just unbelievable lyricism there and basically what he's painting is he wakes up and that to him is a miracle he's so grateful for being graced by God to have the ability to live this life and then all of that kind of presence and that gratitude is interrupted by this man-made technological distraction, his phone going off. Also, he gets into the fact that he doesn't even recognize that the extra honey that he has in his tea that he's drinking came from the work of the bee that he's not appreciating or even understanding. He's not understanding the connection that his tea has with the universe. And he asks, what happened to us? The way he's able to communicate this idea is just sublime and I think at a lot of times on this project at its high watermarks he's able to mix incredible poetry with very insightful spiritual observations and I think it's very notable to mention is that this track along with quite a few others on the project were either leaked or actually released by Jay himself in the past and you're able to notice that difference between the tracks that already released to some of these others in terms of how rough or how incomplete some of the other songs felt and where some grooming was required whether it be in the rhymes in the overall construction of the beat in the mixing etc and that's where I hate to say it, and I mean, it's a leak, so I'm not really holding this against Jay because this, the album wasn't done. But it it does feel like a missed opportunity with some of these tracks because sometimes I can kind of get where he's going lyrically, but he didn't really wrap it all together. And the theme I get and the overall message is kind of muddy or confusing. Whereas, again, like songs like Real Magic, I just think he captured it perfectly and mixed in with the beautiful piano very somber simple piano the gorgeous vocals on the chorus towards the end it it's beautiful and i think he also on this track introduces the overall kind of like musical concept to this album which is it's like it's a performance live there's always these clapping sounds there's the mixing almost sounds like it's supposed to be live too in a lot of these and I think that could be cool because it fits in with that act to the turn patents of nobility kind of theme, which is it's like a magician. And he's actually uh, in interviews or on Twitter, not exactly sure I read this, but he spoke about how it's the idea of those naming and the overall approach to those albums is like a magician. And I think it fits really nicely musically here through the very classical 
kind of jazz vocals and prominent pianos and applause lines interspersed throughout the album. It felt, feels very live and organic that way, which adds a nice touch for sure. But again, it's a J Electronica album, and, I, and I'd be remiss if I don't go through some of these lyrical passages that he has on this album that are, are truly special. I mean, he has this line, again, that it speaks to this greater theme that I think the album intends to communicate, which is that man has lost touch with humanity. You heard that on Real Magic. You hear it on Memories in Merlot, where he has this great line included uh, within a a story about this uh, kind of romantic encounter he had that he loved, where he raps that, Life is a storyboard captured on the Polaroid. Memories are the jewel because the camera is cold and void. That again speaks to the technology aspect. These tools that we use in our life have nothing of spiritual significance. It's truly the um, the moments, the memories that are what make life special. It's not these technological innovations that Jay seems to be quite often talking down on in this project. This thought of being in touch with humanity is put on full display in what I believe is the emotional climax and centerpiece of this project, Better in Tune, which if I say the word sublime, beautiful, so many times in this review, forgive me, but this production, this instrumental is godlike the strings touch me it, it brings me to tears it's 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 unbelievable jay is again dropping lyricism that's very in line with the themes i just mentioned and it's all accentuated by this gorgeous string laden beat and a beautiful singing passage by latonya givens this is definitely my favorite song in the album and it's arguably my favorite jay electronica song i've ever heard it really solidifies and distills everything great about this man's work. And although I mentioned earlier that this very high art approach to music was something that I expected from Jay and loved, I didn't expect him to really go fully into the deep end when it comes to just how musical this album is. There's a couple pure instrumental songs where the high art approach to this album really shows through. There's a lot of, again, kind of like jazz vocalists kind of singing. And there's also some singing, quite a bit of singing from Jay Electronica himself. And that was very surprising to me. But I think it comes through very well. There's tracks like uh, Knights of the Round Table where he sings this beautiful, beautiful chorus. And I I think his singing, obviously, it's not super on key and all that crap, but it sounds very raw. It sounds very fitting to this kind of album. He sings his absolute heart out alongside the bullets on the track Run and Hide. That's amazing. Uh, I really, really adore that track. But I do think this singing and this level of risk-taking could be what contributed to why this album was shelved in the first place. In 2012, although 808s and Heartbreak had dropped, 
Drake was definitely becoming a star. Melodic rapping and rappers just singing, especially when they aren't traditionally quote-unquote good singers, wasn't something very common, even in 2012, 2010, 2011 time frame when this album was probably recorded. And I think based on some of the lines we heard from a written testimony from Jay, being how genuinely uh, concerned he was from getting destroyed by the fans for not delivering what they they expected, having writer's block, I think I think Jay was kind of scared to let this release, largely because of a lot of the risk-taking he puts forward here. I think the musical aspects of it was risky enough with just how strange some of the choices you hear here musically on a rap album, but I think it's also the singing. And that's a real shame because I think it adds such a unique personality to what this project really could have been. Because this album still feels, no matter how much I want to think otherwise, it does feel like a what could have been project. Because there's parts in the songs that just sound very rough. There's the track Rough Love, which just has a kind of almost creepy verse that I don't really like. And then a beat that just goes on for almost two minutes with nothing changing, nothing happening on it, where it just seems like there was a verse that just hadn't been added on it yet. Um, there's the track Night of the Roundtable that I already mentioned with the great hook, but it has these verses that sound like reference tracks where he's just kind of going, hum and hum and hum and hum, and like he's like a reference track where you're laying it to kind of capture what the flow you want on the track to be, but you didn't actually write the verses yet. And that's what we actually get on the final version of this track. And it's overall what leaves me feeling certainly impressed, certainly captivated, and many times during this album. But what ultimately makes me feel like there's something missing. And that's unfortunate for a project that was going for something so impressive and experimental and different like this is. I think this is the weirdo, abstract, otherworldly, esoteric Jay we always wanted, who delivers an album that's almost like Baroque hip-hop, with these string-heavy, piano-heavy, eccentric musical choices being displayed throughout, which is in deep contrast to a written testimony, which was much more bombastic. And definitely this project doesn't feel like the overwhelming event that a written testimony was. And I really appreciate that. I really appreciate that he went full bore into this kind of uh, musical experience that he was trying to create. And although there are some parts that seem too rough for my liking or just seem to be lacking in fully realized musical ideas and proper execution of those ideas, I really think this is still a relic in hip-hop history, and I'm glad that the world was able to finally hear this infamous record, and I'm even gladder that the album is actually very good. And so, even after 10 years of anticipation almost, I think this album does deliver that mystical, enchanting quality that I'm always looking for in a J Electronica album. 
along with providing the biggest piece of who the hell Jay Electronica actually is as a person. I think we get the biggest glimpses into his personality and to who he is as a man than we ever have before, and I'm really glad we did. And I will leave it at that. This is a great album. Definitely give this a listen, as this is truly one of the most anticipated rap albums to ever grace the hip-hop canon to date. So thank you, Jay. Love the album. And I hope to God that you create Act 3 and deliver the conclusion to this trilogy of albums that I think will be really special and really well received from your fan base. And I hope you have the confidence to release the album the proper way if you still have it in you. All right, so that concludes today's episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I really appreciate the support. I love doing this, and I can't wait to continue doing more of these episodes of QLC TV moving forward. If you want to follow me, support the podcast, please subscribe on all the podcast channels that you use, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and so on. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter, at Roview. So that's R-O-H-V-I-E-W. And shoot me a comment, send me a DM, and feel free to suggest whatever topic you think I should cover, whether it be some political discussion, music, etc. Or if you just wanted to send me some feedback about something that you think I should improve on or consider changing as it relates to the show, I'm definitely all ears. I wanted to start this podcast to, to help myself grow, help myself uh express myself more efficiently, more concisely, more effectively, so I'm always open to anything that I should improve on, whether it be about how I deliver the show or just to criticize some horrible take that I had. I'm all ears. And I'd also like to extend an open invitation to any artist that makes music. If you want, please DM me, hit me up on Instagram, send me your music. I'd love to give you free feedback and thoughts on my opinions of your work and any other things you could maybe change to make it even better. If you're listening to this show, you know how passionate I am about music, how much I love analyzing music and how passionate I am. I would love to be a part of your creative process to further improve your craft. And also I'd like to extend an invitation for anybody who wants to join me for a discussion on something they want to debate, whether it be a political opinion or a musical opinion, I would love to, you know, have you on the show and have an open discussion with you. I think that would be a lot of fun because, you know, I I really want to connect with you guys and really foster community here at QLC TV. So thank you once again for listening. Peace.